Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. How do I record an episode? How do I get my show into all the apps people like to listen? How do I make money from my podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. I love Anchor because it allows me to record without having to spend thousands of dollars on equipment that I would probably have difficulty using anyways. So Anchor makes it all possible with a simple app. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start to join me, Lou Mavs, and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. Looking for some new podcasts to listen to? Well, Rat Sound Review Network has plenty of shows to choose from. Like Rat Sound Review, where they discuss the latest rock and metal news, as well as interviews and albums. Album versus Album, the King Diamond Podcast, with Wayne Noon, Greg Noggle, and sometimes this guy. Smack him a gob! Ralph Vieira is also on our network with the Vieira Bowl. There's also Old Man Metal's Musings, where he discusses heavy metal and beer. Music is Life with Lou Mavs. The Right Opinion for those who love politics. A South Park podcast called Suck My Balls. The Infinite Fringe. A watch-along wrestling show called Beyond Bushido. Extradivarius guitarist, the Timo Tolki podcast. And the great Harry Barnett with I Don't Even Like Podcast and the Laugh Cast. So check out RatSoundReview.com or search RatSoundReview on YouTube, Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. You're listening to the Music is Life podcast with your host, Lou Mabs, on the Rat Sound Review Network. Man's got to know his limitations. Shoot him now! Shoot him now! There's a seven-point suppository, Captain. What did you say? I said stick it in your ass. In a pig pie. We are ready and waiting for you now. If it's a fight that you can't see, we've acquired our strength through pain. No more are we pathetic anyway. You are the reason why we claim that we've all become this way. And I regret the prison that I created for myself. You are listening to the Music is Live podcast with Lou Mavs, available on the Ratsaw Review Network and distributed by Haman Media Group. Like and subscribe wherever you get your available podcasts. And also, don't forget, there is the YouTube channel, Music is Live podcast. Please like and subscribe and comment there. I'm really happy to say that I got my roundtable back today. I got my boys, Matt and Bob, back in the house. Matt Michelow from Kokomoko Media and AlphaFlex Personal Training, and also Mr. Robert Mango, Bobby Boyd. Guys, thank you for joining me. Hola. 
<laughs> wow, hola. Yeah. <laughs> We're not the very talkative people, dude. You know this. I know. Not like we had a radio show for four years in college. The last time I've been on a radio show with Lou, Lou lost his gallbladder. Oh, this is true. <laughs> so wait, are we going to take bets on what's next? <laughs> well, what do I got left? My kidneys, my tonsils, my liver. I mean, come on. Oh, Place tonsils. Your your I got tonsils. Fuck. Who wants to do a hot toast challenge again? Oh, uh, no, I can't. I noticed with keto, I can't handle fucking hot sauce like I could. How is that possible? Something like, I don't know. I'm just, it's hitting my body much worse. Like my whole stomach, everything. We got to get a ship on the bottle of the Stargazer, Matt. Well, when you take keto, for whatever reason, you build up more acid in your stomach. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why, but we're not going to go into science. Mm-hmm. But hell, that makes hot sauce more fun. If you can't handle it on keto, you can't handle hot sauce at all. I agree. <laughs> when I did keto, I put hot sauce on everything and not Frank's. <laughs> not a fan. I mean, Frank's red hot sauce is good, but I'm definitely more of the. Uh, no, that's terrible. Garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Matt. <laughs> I, I, I think I'm definitely more of a fan of like the ghost pepper hot sauces. So, Lucharito's ghost pepper. And this new one that I tried out, the Stargazer. I only got it because for two reasons. One, it was recommended on the Hot Ones Challenge. No, I'm never having that again. It's still closed. That, I've that I've had. Now, I'm not having the Dave's Gourmet Ultimate Insanity ever again. That was just... Did you I have couldn't... Ultimate or Beyond? Ultimate. All right, Bob can hang out with me. Lou, I don't want to hang out with you anymore. I can't say I remember what the, ta- what the flavor or taste of the... Uh, Double ins- that was double insanity, right? Or is that ultimate insanity? Ultimate. Okay, so I can't say that I recall what the flavor or taste of the ultimate was because by the time I got to it, my mouth was already numb by having the bomb. <laughs> <laughs> that was so bad. It's little, little, the size of my gent pedal. That's how big the size of the bomb bottle was. And I mean, Alan was screaming his head off outside my uh, outside my house. Oh, you got to use that bomb hot sauce? <laughs> you can have it. I'll give it yes. to you next time I see. <laughs> there's no flavor to it, though. It's, it, there's no flavor. It's just heat in a bottle. This one has a lot of flavor to it if you can <laughs> handle the heat. <laughs> All right, maybe I'll try that after I'm done with the Stargazer. But like I said, I, I, what I was about it's to It's hotter than the bomb, so if you can't handle the bomb, you probably won't be able to taste anything with that one. I'll make sure I have a gallon of milk next to me. Thank you. But I did have the, uh, the reason why I got the Stargazer was two reasons. One, it was promoted on Hot Ones. And also, that's my favorite song from the band Rainbow, Stargazer. So, <laughs> yeah, I know. Metal nerd. Sue me. Anyways, how was everybody's Christmas? Great. Great. How about yours? Survived it, especially after we all beat COVID. We had a nice one. So, we got to see family that had already had COVID, so we were safe. And we were safely distant from family members that hadn't caught it. We had already, all of us had already beaten it, but, you know. You guys swap COVID stories, you know, part of the club. No. um, Matt actually asked me before we went on the air. No, you asked me if I had any side effects. Um, Thankfully, my symptoms were mild, so can't complain. Uh, no, no stories to swap. <laughs> <laughs> I called on Mr. Mango and Mr. Michelo. 
on the show tonight because I wanted to do another top 10 list. And this top 10 list is our 10 favorite concert experiences. The 10 concerts that we enjoy the most out of the countless, I think it's safe to say thousands that we've all seen. I've been seeing concerts as early as February, 1999. You know, when I lived with my old roommate, Alan, I think we were seeing one to two concerts a month before I was married. I miss going to concerts, you know, especially with the uh, pandemic that's been going on and the fact that the touring industry has been shut down, well, aside from all industries being shut down for the most part. I'm looking forward to concerts coming back once things subside. Let's just hope that happens sooner than later. How long have you guys been going to concerts? Since I was 16, 96, I went to see, well, I'll reveal later on my list because it actually made my list. Yeah, my first concert experience made my list too. Matt, how long have you been going to concerts? I think I think you told me a long time ago your first concert was Wu-Tang Clan and Rage Against the Machine, right? That was my first concert. That's what made me get into rock music before I listened to hip-hop. Mm-hmm. I think Atari Teenage Riot was the opening act. I don't know what was the opening act. <laughs> no, nobody ever cares about the opening act. I remember uh, our buddy Jay Crawford told me that the one time he saw Rage Against the Machine at the drive-in was the opening act, and he absolutely hated it. But then I gave him a copy of the album, and he's been a huge fan of theirs since then. So I think it's safe to say that some some bands, some music just doesn't cross over correctly in in, a, in, a, in an arena setting better in a club yeah i'd say so we're gonna start with our concert list matt go first oh damn <laughs> <laughs> wait no his name's sunshine that's my new name i'm sunshine i'm just that happy fuck you guys <laughs> jeez matt's, matt's going to london he's like you mess with me i'll kick your ass sunshine i, I guess I'm not, I'm not really doing a list i already know what my number one concert is but that's fine I'm that's how i'm gonna keep it I guess I'm going to put Wu-Tang Clan and Rage Against the Machine because, honestly, I wouldn't even be listening to any music for these concerts had it not been for that. And I only went for Wu-Tang Clan because I had no clue who the hell Rage Against the Machine was. Then I saw people beating each other up in Moshpits and the energy. I was just like, I love this energy. I don't know what the hell they're talking about. I don't know the music, but the energy was just addictive. And I kind of got into music more because of the addictiveness of the adrenaline from the concert than the actual music at the time. Mm-hmm. But how much blood you can actually get out of a human being increased your concert going experience that much more. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, and they are, to me, Rage Machine is one of the best live bands. I'll agree with that. Wish I had known. You never, oh yeah, that's right, you've never seen Rage the Machine, and I saw them like a thousand times. <laughs> they broke up early compared to like when I was going to concerts. I just never got out to see them. Yeah. If it they were, I was probably going to get them if they toured again somehow. <laughs> if it wasn't for the one, well, they were supposed to tour this year. <laughs> yeah, I know. If, if it wasn't for the one free concert that they had outside the David Letterman Theater that I went to with Matt, I would have never seen them. <laughs> oh, that was a fun concert just because of, you're know, like, so what, why are these guys all behind me? I'm like, that's what a pit's got to start. <laughs> and then a pit literally opened up right behind the <laughs> And I was protecting him because he's never been in a mosh pit. And I literally twisted my whole stomach. And my body went one way, my legs went the other way. I'm holding Lou back from getting demolished in a mosh pit because he's never been in one. And then after the cramp went away, I went in and jumped around a little bit. But I mostly had a cramp that whole time, so I didn't go in the mosh pit. 
I will say this, I've been to a couple of hardcore concerts where like, you know, I was near the pit and seeing them doing windmills and stupid karate kicks, I was just like, mm, compare that to a Rage Against the Machine concert, I don't know if hardcore kids could survive. Definitely a fun concert experience seeing them. I'm glad I experienced it with you, Matt. Bob, you're next. For my 10th one, I figure I had to include a Billy Joel. So I'd seen him at MSG a couple of years ago. And it was the first time I ever saw him. And it was a two and a half, three hour long karaoke. Was this Absolutely. at the beginning of his uh, residency at the Garden? He'd been doing it for a little while. So I wouldn't say at the very beginning. It was out for at least a year or so. Mm-hmm. But, and the seats we had, my friend had gotten us, were directly behind the stage. So it was the back part of the garden. It was literally behind the stage, the first row. <laughs> mm. So absolutely amazing experience. Bob revealed to me before the show that he had a shoebox of concert tickets. So he picked from the shoebox. I picked from an old Boss <laughs> Chorus FX pedal box oh, where all my concert I tickets I wanted to are. show you something while I found that, actually. A lot of you uh, metalheads and whatever would recognize this. Slip Disc Records from Valley Stream. Rest in peace. Iconic store. Yeah. How long have they been out of business now? Oh, years. Got to be at least five, ten years now. Yeah. We had uh, two uh, indie music stores in Astoria. One was called Sound City, where I used to buy T-shirts and uh, used CDs and and new stuff. Actually, I, I got Pantera Far Beyond Driven the Saturday before it was released from that mm-hmm. store. So when it went to number one, I said, that's because of me, because I bought it first. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was that, and there was Underground Sound, where I would go get all my hardcore and punk CDs, too. So mm-hmm. that was great. But anyways, my number 10, I don't know if you guys can read it. This is uh, my concert stub for Iron Maiden at Jones Beach 2012 Made in England tour with um, mm-hmm. Alice Cooper as the opening act. And Alice actually had Oriampi, who was Michael Jackson's last guitar player in the band at the time. She was amazing. Now he's got Nita Strauss, who's just as amazing. This was the Made in England tour where they sort of paid homage to their 1988 tour, which was the Seventh Son of a Seventh Son tour. I got to see Maiden perform songs that I'd never heard them play before just because they hadn't been in the set list in years. So to be able to see those songs and, and hear that and you know they did the mainstays they did fear of the dark they did aces high they did you know how be actually i don't know if how would be my name was on that tour they usually play that a couple of tours they actually dropped it a couple not many but a few i don't recall if that was one of them this was the best time i had seen maiden and i had seen them oh three oh five oh six 2010 and 2012 yeah the last time i saw them 2012 that was the best i had seen them and they're a band like a fine wine they just get better with age and their last album book of souls was amazing i remember though they moved us closer to the middle of the arena because there were some empty seats there so we got to see them closer which was pretty awesome all right matt you're next i'll say fear factory one you gave me and bob free tickets and we're supposed to interview Dope, and we basically, Static X was on, and as soon as Fear Factory went on, and we finally got the chance to interview Dope, we're like, fuck that, Fear Factory's on, we left them there. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't a knock at Dope. They're all right. <laughs> it's just, it's Fear Factory. 
<laughs> and I got to jump kick a guy in the nose who was being a dick to all the kids. <laughs> and that was at the, the peak of Fear Factory's success. Yeah, that was with the uh, Obsolete album. Yes. And I got to play my first Fear Factory song guitar a few days ago. Which one was that? Which song? Team Manufacture. It's so easy to play, but it's so cool. <laughs> well, I mean, the chord structure is not the difficult thing. It's the picking. If you could pick like Dino, then you've already won the battle. But he's uh, got one of, one of the fastest p uh, rhythm hands. So I just wish they'd get their shit together. I would love to hear more music. Mechanized was such a great album. Oh, they've done. They've done. Yeah, I know. There is no coming back now. Yeah, no. Burton came out and basically said, fuck mm -hmm. Dino. <laughs> Yep. Burton's no longer part of the project. They were suing each other over the rights over the band. I think Dino's won the rights now, so. Mm -hmm. But they're not Fear Factory without Burton. Speaking no. of bands, Long Lost Gone every time. Uh, System of a Down is back. Well, yeah, they came back and released an EP so mm -hmm. they could raise money for Armenia, which I thought was a cool cause. That's about right. That's usually what they do. <laughs> well, that's the only time they could ever get along anymore. <laughs> and it's just funny though because like I did not realize how different their opinions on politics were like you take someone like Serge who is very far left of center and then you have John the drummer who's totally right of center it's like now how they just said okay you know we'll keep our differences aside and we'll release the song as is. I think it's great that they were able to pull their political differences aside. I think actually their biggest point of contention is the fact that Darren wants to be the primary songwriter. That's what's stopping them from releasing new music. It's not even a difference of opinion. It's a different, it's a clash of personalities between <laughs> Darren and the rest of the band. <laughs> but no, they were a great band and uh, I love them. Uh, their debut album, I, I still listen to it repeatedly. That's at Fear Factory. That's 1999 at the Roseland Ballroom. Bob, you next. All right. I'm going with a show where I saw a rock god who's no longer with us. Amsterdam, Rikers Island. Oh, you want the person to see it? Oh, hi. Yeah. Bob, I, I think you mean Randall's Island, not Rikers Island. Is it Randall's? Island. Yes, Rikers Island <laughs> is a prison. I knew it was one of them. Oh, would they have fun with you at Rikers, Bob? <laughs> <laughs> I don't really ever pass by there too often. I don't know the names too well. But anyway, it was Randall's Island. You're right. It ended up being um, LL Cool J, Buster <laughs> Rhymes, the Foo Fighters, and topped off with Tom Petty. That's and an interesting concert. Yeah, it really was. Um, at one point, Petty came on and played with the Foo, Fi or Foo Fighters. It was absolutely a great show. And yes, it was sponsored by uh, Heineken. <laughs> nice. I know that uh, Dave Grohl had played with uh, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers a couple of times, actually, when uh, after yeah. Kurt had died, Tom Petty was on SNL, Saturday Night Live. He asked Dave Grohl to be the drummer for that show. Maybe it wasn't with the Heartbreakers. It might have just been Tom Petty solo, because I think it was he was supporting Wildflower. Was that the album? Yeah, Wildflowers. What? Yes, he was supporting that. So, you know, Dave Grohl was uh, drumming for him for that performance, which... Uh, I love Tom Petty. He was such a great, prolific writer. Phenomenal. Music sucks without him. Yeah. All right, cool. So my number nine. I've been into this band since about 2005. Went back and got all their albums. Finally got a chance to see them in 2013 with my wife. We went to New Jersey to go see them. And it's the band Muse. Now, I 
had such a blast at the con. I felt like I had only seen news concerts on MTV HD and just seeing the light show that they would put on, seeing how the crowd would react to them and just seeing how they, the, the fans would sing the music back to them and just pandemonium in the stadiums that they were playing. And here I am seeing them at the Eyes Out Center, the former Continental Airlines Meadowlands Arena. And I, I tell you, seeing them in concert, it was almost like somehow they brought the European crowd with them. I had never felt the ground shake at, at an arena concert until Muse breaks out into the breakdown of Knights of Cydonia and everybody's jumping up and down, up and down. I'm feeling the floor shake. I told my wife, I said, if we die tonight, at least we know we had a good time. <laughs> you know, and it was an amazing concert. Dead Sarah was the opening act. And they were very, very good. Everyone needs to see Muse at least once in their life. My wife has seen them twice now because I got her tickets to go see them at uh, the Barclays Center. They did the 92.3 Alternative Rock Radio Christmas concert there two years ago. So got her and her sisters, uh, her sister Melissa, tickets to go see them. So jealous. I'm like, damn it. I'm a bigger Muse fan than you. I've only seen them once. You've seen them twice. <laughs> Anyways, that's number nine for me. Love Muse. Matt, you're next. This one I'm going to put as two concerts in one. I know it's kind of cheating, but Trans-Siberian Orchestra, the first time I saw him was the best concert, but I don't like the first time I was with when I saw him. So I like the first time I was with him the second time I saw him. <laughs> <laughs> so, I won't ask you to divulge who it was, but that's cool. Well, the second time was with Sandy, so you know it's a good showdown. <laughs> but oh, they're just an amazing band to see live. You saw them last year? Yeah. Oh, very cool, very cool. Yeah, I had seen them three times in concert. They never put on a bad show. No, I, I have a hard time figuring out which the first time I saw them or the second time I saw them. I enjoyed myself more the second time, but I was more, you know, it's like the first time, the first time. So, <laughs> well, normally, so hard. Normally, I would say that the company you're with helps make the concert experience better. So we'll just say the second time because it's Cindy. Yeah, we'll go with the yeah. second time. And we love Cindy. <laughs> And we love Cindy Jirem of Kokomoka Media and the Good News Podcast, available on all your podcast formats. Look them up. Bug for Cindy. <laughs> Bob, you're next. So this one is going to shock both of you. And Sorry, the only reason is because this is what I'm going to say is the whole entire experience. Because the actual artist isn't someone that's going to be high on anyone in your list. Justin Bieber. No. A very good guess. No, I'm talking about the greats. Rick Astley. Never gonna give you great up. musician who's been around since the eighties. Weird Al Yankovic. Oh. I had gone to see him upstate somewhere in like Westchester, right around there. My friend who could magically get great tickets got his seats. The first row dead center. At one point, Weird Al climbed into the crowd and climbed over my shoulder to get beyond me. And then afterwards, we waited outside the arena and waited by his van and he did autographs and uh, pictures. That's awesome. So that whole experience, <laughs> I was like an eight-year-old kid again. He's a bucket list for me, definitely. Oh, you're going next time. Okay. I have someone else that wants to go too, that has never gone. So no, not Sam. <laughs> no, not Sam. No, not Sam. Okay. All right. Well, you we're we're going to crack your out, Cherry Lou. You could bring Sam too, though, because chances are Aaron would want to see him because Aaron's a fan too. So. Oh no, she won't go. Aw. She does not like the great one. 
the man who made one of the funniest movies ever. I love UHF. So nice. Stupid. You're so stupid. I love that. Supplies. Uh, <laughs> I forgot about the supplies line. Supplies. <laughs> anyway, all right, cool. So I'm next. Number eight for me is the first time I've seen Metallica in uh, November 1999. I went with Matt and two friends of ours, Jay and Eddie. This was the Symphony and Metallica concert. And I think they had only done two of them. One in San Francisco and one at Madison Square Garden. So that was my first time seeing Metallica, and I was completely blown away. The symphony orchestra just brought the experience of hearing these songs for the first time this way live. It just added to it. The way I feel about Load and Reload, I feel like if you took the two be- uh, if you took the best songs off those two albums, you'd come out with one great album. Agreed. And two of my favorite songs are Outlaw Torn and Bleeding Me. Oh, so yeah. great for, for me, hearing those two songs and one in the context that they were played, it just blew me away. You know when you go to a concert and you get like those goosebumps, those chills, mm-hmm. you hearing a band just play a song a certain way? Yeah, that's exactly what happened to me with those three. Big up to Metallica on that. <laughs> and of course, Matt's up next and he walked away. <laughs> oh, Matt, you joined us again. Great. Magically appeared. <laughs> Clever editing. All right, man. That's what so I do. I disappear and appear. <laughs> so the next concert on my list is going to be the same damn concert you said, but it's not the first time I saw Metallica. Mm. So my first time I saw Metallica will also be on my list, but that will be revealed later on. I won't spoil it. I had a I blast mean, going with you, man. That was a blast. It was fun getting ready for the concert. We're listening to Apocalyptica on the radio station. It was a really good time. And a once-in-a-lifetime time, because they only did it twice. Well, I guess a twice-in-a-lifetime time. But I wasn't going to San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, true. They did it again. Yeah, they did S&M, too. They added uh, songs from the last album, Hardwired to Self-Destruct, mm-hmm. into the set list. But Jason and, wasn't there. No, Rob is in the band, so he was there. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I haven't liked him since Rob got in the band. I don't have nothing against Rob. I just, ever since St. Anger, I've just not been a fan of Metallica. I really think you need to listen to uh, Death Magnetic. It's a very good yes. album. No, I, I, I usually disagree with I'm going to agree with him on this one. I had my uh, hesitations, too. Uh, I have a really so, heavy album. I'll put, it, I'll put it to you this way. If I didn't love the album as much as I did, I wouldn't have gone see them at the Coliseum in January. I, would have had I, I don't I can't agree with you. Like, while, yes, we can talk and debate about the albums, and I'm not critiquing them as artists. And I don't know why after St. Anger, it just kind of fell off on them. And I, even to this day, like the old Metallica stuff that I grew up and loved, and actually Metallica is one of my uh, reasons I play guitar. It's all I used to try to do was one Metallica songs back in the day. Mm-hmm. I just don't, I guess I outgrew Metallica in some ways. I just don't enjoy them like I used to. Even the old stuff. I don't know why. It's like weird. Like you think about bands and how you like certain bands and they grow as you get older. Other bands stick around. Like Crazy and Machine, I don't listen to them like I used to either. And they were like my favorite band. I just, maybe it's all the politics that's just gotten too far I'm, and I don't really agree with it completely. Or maybe it's just, I don't know. Like without Zach there, I just kind of lost interest. I don't even listen to old Rage and Machines. Like I used to listen to Rage like nonstop. And Metallica's another one. And 
even the old stuff i don't really listen to it like i used to pantera on the other hand i don't stop tool forget about them like just listen to tool like non-stop and but they fall off even corn surprisingly i've actually liked corn more as time's gone on so it's like it's really weird to see what bands last the test of time in a person so you should do an episode on that next i agree and by the way to add to what you're saying that's how i feel about typo negative i mean they haven't released an album since 2007 because you know rest in peace peter Steele. but the older i get the more I look back on those albums and go, wow, I just love them more and more as we go along, uh, you know, living. And um, I will say this, though, when I hear when I hear bomb tracks still, I still get hyped up when I hear that song, because that's just a great fucking song. I still like Rage Against the Machine. I still can appreciate the songs I listen to them, but I, I would listen to it like I could listen to Rage Against the Machine all day, for example, and Metallica all day. And I just can't. Now, I can listen to Tool all day now. Like, literally, I do listen to Tool practically every day. Mm-hmm. And, sh- and I didn't listen to Tool every day when I was younger. Like, I, I like Tool, but it's just how it is. And Corn is another band I can actually literally listen to all day. Like, I can appreciate the songs now more than I'm older. Like, I didn't really know the lyrical content as well as I feel like I do now. And maybe it's not that I know the lyrical content of what Jonathan was writing about, but it just speaks to me in a different way than when I was younger. When I was younger, it was all like, all right, whatever gets me amped up is what I really like for the most part. It's like, we got a Rage's Machine. You go to a concert, the concert's absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. But, I don't know. I guess it's old age. I'm becoming old. Fair enough. By the way, I got you like have... a few white hairs on my on my beard now. I'm an old <laughs> man. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm getting there. Fair enough. But I, uh, to add to that, if, if you haven't heard Fear Inoculum by Tool, what the hell are you waiting for? Listen to it. And the re-release, the remastered, reinventing the steel from Pantera sounds better than the original releasing. So check that out too, if you can. I will say the Fear the Noculum. When I was younger back in college, there's no way I would have appreciated that album. No, probably same here. Now it's just like, it blows my mind. And it's like, I literally listen to it to like relax. I listen to it when I'm trying to like, if I'm trying to type something, be creative, I put that on. It's like, it's like a drug or something. It's like I can do all sorts of creative things when I have that on. It doesn't even matter what it is. Like, if I'm writing a blog article about fitness, I have that in while I'm writing the blog article. It's just, it makes like things tick in my brain or something. I don't know how to explain it. No, I get it. Anima, is still my favorite Tool album, but the album that I listen to the most at this point is Fear Inoculum. I'm hearing things I haven't heard the first time listening to it, so. So. Every time I listen to that album, I feel like I hear something different. There's only one song that makes me feel that way, too. That's not by Tool. Yeah, that one song is uh, all on the Watchtower budget, with the cover of Hendrix. Like, I always hear different sounds every time I listen to that song. And I love stuff like that. Like That's like genius stuff to me. It's like when you can get to that level where you can hear the song, and it's like a thousand different times, it's like always different. Mm-hmm. It's like, how can you not love it? <laughs> Check out the Frank Marino version when you have a chance. Frank Marino, he's a Montreal-based guitar player from the late 60s, and uh, he did a great cover of it, too. So check him out. I'll check it out. Bob, do you have anything to uh, add to that in terms of Rage or Tool? or? I listen to them both all the time. They're two of the bands that I never, ever stopped. You know, I pre-ordered Fear. I love the album. It's fucking amazing. And yeah, that's about it. <laughs> cool. Right, I can't well, say enough nice things about Tool. No, they are amazing. And all right, your next your next concert. 
So you actually touched on it a few minutes ago, since you're in the Metallica mood, that uh, Metallica at the Coliseum, the one that you went to that I, uh, I actually sat in the skybox. First time I've ever had that Lucky experience, time. both at the Coliseum and for a concert. And very awesome way just to overlook the whole crowd, the whole stage. Thank you to Newsday for those tickets. Um, <laughs> thank, very thankful for the open bar. Yeah, I mean, just to see Metallica, period, it's an amazing time. Mm-hmm. And that was the Hardwire tour, right? No, that was Death Magnetic. Oh, Death Magnetic, sorry. Yeah. Death Magnetic. And I remember that album. I almost refused to listen to that album. That's why I never bought tickets when I went on sale. And when I finally heard it, I'm like, oh, this is good. And that yeah. show was amazing. The Machine Head opened up. Machine Head and The Sword. Machine Head, very disappointing that night. I agree. The Sword were far better. I mean, Black Sabbath is my all-time favorite band, and Mm -hmm. they just remind me so much of... They have that Sabbath sound. Down-tuned, loud, distorted guitars in the great, you know, rhythm section. If you're going to rip off anybody, you rip off the kings, you know, uh, the, the guys who invented heavy metal. I will admit, though... Machine Head did do a great cover of How I'll Be Thy Name That Night. That was awesome. My next concert, I so this is a band that I hated when they first came out. And then they were the actual opening band of the first concert that I ever saw. And I fell in love with them because I got to see them live. And they had just released their self-titled album in 2003 and they did a guerrilla tour where they only announced like two or three days before they were going to play that venue. And then when I found out, I immediately got tickets and it was at Webster hall in the village, in the city. And that was Deptones in Hmm. May of 2003. Now, up until this point, I had seen Deptones, three times again first concert i saw then i saw them uh at the roseland in 2000 with glass jaw 2001 at jones beach with you bob um with uh, godsmack with godsmack deftones played for three hours not a bad selection and the next thing you know 11 o'clock hits and the fans still want more and the venue starts turning the lights on and everything they start unplugging the PA. The Deftones come out again, and they're like, you guys really want to hear one more. And the fans are going crazy. So all of a sudden, Steph, the guitar player, breaks into um, engine number nine. The place goes fucking apeshit. And I, I don't remember any time that I'd gotten an adrenaline rush that much at any concert. Hmm. So, yeah, for me, Deftones. There, there. Nice. All right, Matt, you're next. By the way, I really got to hand yeah. to you playing guitar as soon as you, as soon as it's your turn, you take it off mute and go. My favorite concert. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna put Ginger in there with you. Yes, Ginger at the Gramercy in October 2019. That was great. I wanted to see Ginger before they become big and do big arenas. I got the chance to see him in a small venue. Also, crowd served. And the funny thing is, apparently her voice was bad that night, <laughs> according to her. First concert I went to, I was actually on the floor in, like, decades. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, that, that was a fun time. That was a great time. Yeah. Well, old man in the pit. <laughs> yeah, you look better than the young kids in the pit. I mean, come on. That, that, that's true, but still. <laughs> they could have learned something from you. Come on. <laughs> All right, Bob, you're next. So I'm going to list probably the best touring band ever in the history of touring bands, Guns N' Roses. I noticed a hint of sarcasm in there. No. I mean, if you want just biggest success, Guns N' Roses. And this was on the reunion tour. So this is when Slash and, his, and, and Duff were back in the band. Correct. Okay. This was October 2018, mm-hmm. I want to say, at MSG. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, just seeing the original members of Guns N' Roses making me wish I had seen them when I was like 14, 13. But they put on quite a fucking show, and it's they're just one of the greatest bands ever, in my opinion. I love GNR. I had seen them in 2006 at the Garden. You know they're not Guns N' Roses without Slash. There is there is no world that that Guns N' Roses exists without Axel and Slash together. The truth is, it's I feel like that's an iconic duo as much as Steven Tyler, Joe Perry, or as much as David Lee Roth, Eddie Van Halen. More. So yeah, I, yeah. I agree with you on that. However, I got to give it up to the three guitar players who were in the band at the time: uh, Robin Fink from Nine Inch Nails, Richard Fortas, and um, Bumblefoot, Ron Thal. I thought the three of them did a great job. And Axel was on his game that night. And it's funny because they didn't take stage until 11.30. And no, they weren't late. They actually showed up <laughs> on time. But they, the, Sebastian Bach and Papa Roach were the two opening acts. And oh, they, yeah, and Sebastian took stage at 9 o'clock, Papa Roach at 10, and then GNR at 11.30. So the concert ended like around 1.30. And I was just like, wow, that's like $10,000 in union fees, extra overtime past 11 o'clock. How did they get away with that? Because Dream Theater, they went two minutes over at the at Radio City Music Hall. They, they ended up owing $20,000 in overtime fees to the unions. So I guess if anyone could do it, it's Axel. Oh, yeah. I saw Velvet Revolver. So I got to see Scott Weiland with Slash. That was cool, but... It's nothing like seeing Axel with Slash. So, rest in peace, Scott Weiland, of course. All right, my choice. So, this is the second time I had seen his band. My brother Mikey, God rest his soul, was supposed to take me to see them on their 94 Counterparts tour, but he ended up not getting me a ticket. So, I was very hurt by that. The first time I saw them was at the Barclays Center in 2012, well, with my brother in law. I went to go see them on their 40th anniversary tour, which ended up being their farewell tour. Their drummer, who some would say is the greatest rock drummer that ever lived, Neil Peart, passed away earlier this year from uh, brain cancer, and he is beloved, he is missed. Unfortunately, this band is no longer with us, but the memories and the music that they gave their fans is immense, and that band is Rush at the Garden. (laughs) in uh, June of 2015. So glad I got to see this concert. I mean, I never thought three Canadians could make such such noise and such great music and just pulling out songs that they hadn't performed in 20 years and just gave the fans something special to say goodbye with. It was, it was beautiful. All right, Matt, you're next. I'm going to say 
Rage Against the Machine, and Nassau Coliseum. Which I know I've seen a thousand times in Nassau Coliseum, but I don't remember the date. So he's got to take as Rage Against the Machine and Nassau Coliseum and accept <laughs> it as it is. Do you remember uh, the Do you remember the year at least? They played with Gangstar. I could be wrong about that. I think that might have been the Battle for Los Angeles tour then. It was definitely Battle for Los Angeles time. I don't know which one, but it was kind of fun because I was like in nosebleed and I rushed all the way down, still got on the floor. <laughs> it was fun watching a whole entire rush of people just jumping over the things. The guards just kind of gave the hell up. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, 20,000 Rage Against the Machine fans can't be stopped or wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a really good show. And didn't want it to end. It looks like it happened in 99. Yeah, that sounds about right. All right, so it was the Battle for LA tour. Okay. Well, it was definitely after the Battle of Los Angeles came out. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right, Bob, you're next. This next one, let's just say the whole, not only just seeing the show, which was a Amazing show to begin with. Uh, the fact that I was in, under the lot, let's see, I, I was heavily drunk, among other things, at okay. Rammstein at Nassau Coliseum back in about a couple of years before we saw them at Jones Beach. I'd say about maybe 2014 or so. I don't remember 2012, this. 2012, 2011, actually. I'd say it's farther back even. Was this directly in support of Liebes Feralda? I don't know. I don't know. Okay, I didn't even know they were in Nassau at that time. It was one of those, like, first time in, like, 10 years they were back here or something. So I rushed, got tickets, and what a show. They played Mind Tile. That was my highlight, seeing them take a man and put him in a cauldron and light that cauldron on fire. That mm-hmm. one, you know, him, like, him riding a giant ra- uh, raft into the crowd back. Was that from Riza Riza, by any chance? Might have been. Well, they opened up with Rise Riza. I don't know. It was just an, an amazing show. Yeah, Rams and at the amazing. End, a giant penis shooting uh, white foam into the crowd during Pussy. A great way to close the show. Yeah. Cover yeah. all your fans in white foam from a giant penis you're riding. But you're right, though. That I think this was like the first time in 10 plus years that they had played New York. Not just New York, but the States. The last time they were here before that was for their, their Motor Tour. In mm-hmm. 2001, where I think the opening act was Crossbreed. I remember we were serviced with their album at WSJU, but mm-hmm. that album was horrible. I was like, I'm not playing this shit. <laughs> <laughs> I believe I went to that show. I think you might have. I was at Roseland or something, or Hammerstein or something. It was one at Hammerstein. Them. Yeah, one of those places. I don't even remember so much. There were three huge concerts that happened at Hammerstein this year, that year, in 2001. One was Pantera with uh, Morbid Angel and Soulfly and Nothing Face. And then there was the Rammstein concert. And then there was uh, the Disturbed concert that happened later in the year. Oh, I can't take away also, there was the Twisted Sister reunion that year where they raised $60,000 for the first responders for 9-11. So they had actually reunited for that. So, okay, so those are like the four big concerts at Hammerstein that year. Want me to tell you a spoiler alert? Go ahead. Pantera didn't make my list. Really? They didn't make mine either. They're my my favorite band. That and Tool are the top two bands I always go back and forth with who I like more. 
which is kind of funny since it's so opposite. But to be honest, I haven't been impressed with them when I've seen them live. Yeah, that's probably because when we saw them, it was at right at the point where Phil was at his worst with substance abuse, and he admits it. Yes, you can tell on stage when he's rambling for like fifteen minutes in between songs. <laughs> Like, you, shut the you, fuck up and play. This I mean, is- <laughs> he, 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 he might as well have had codeine in his whiskey. I mean, who knows? For me, Pantera was all about dime bags, so uh, I was able to overlook that. All right. So my next pick, so as I mentioned before, Black Sabbath is my all-time favorite band. And I had seen them three times with Ozzy. And then in 2007, they announced that they were reuniting with Ronnie James Dio. Now, for me, I don't compare myself to other Sabbath fans because some of them are either Ozzy only or some of them are only Dio only or, well, it's really those two. But, you know, I also love the stuff that they released with Ian Gillen, with Glenn Hughes, with Tony Martin. So for me, it's like I'm a fan of Black Sabbath, not just the original lineup. So... When I heard that they were reunited with Ronnie James Dio, my buddy Alan and Tom Crimmins and I, and I had gotten this ticket for Tom for his birthday because he had never seen Sabbath. Well, no, he had seen Sabbath with Ozzy, but not with Dio. So I got him this as a birthday gift. And somehow we managed to get center stage third row seats at Radio City Music Hall. And it was the Heaven and Hell reunion tour. Two and a half hours of Black Sabbath Dio era music just to hear songs like Neon Nights and Mob Rules and Heaven and Hell. I felt like I did when I was listening to those albums for the first time when I was younger. I mean, Sabbath with Ozzy and Dio, Tony Iommi, the guitar player, is the combining factor between both of them because for me, as long as it's it's Tony Iommi, it's Sabbath to me. But it sounds like two completely different bands because Geezer Butler, the bassist, wrote the lyrics for Ozzy, most of them. Dio was his own lyricist a perfect combination of their personalities put through their music. You know, Dio is all about, like, metaphors and, you know, symbolism and things like that. So it was just wonderful to see them. And uh, we miss you, Ronnie. Rest in peace. That's my choice. Matt, you're next. I guess I'm going to put Corn. They actually play better now than when, they were, when I was younger. The voice is better. Obviously, the films are better. I like the new drama. Um, you like Ray? You prefer Ray to Dave? Yeah, mm-hmm. they're just so much tighter with Ray there, mm-hmm. and the show was just awesome because now it's not only just all the other groups so far. I said it's because of the main headlining band, but it was great to see Allison Chains too. It was like I know they're not real Allison Chains without Lane, but I Allison Chains is one of my top five favorite bands. So. Yeah. Just to get a little taste of what I would have been able to see, because it was just nice to hear the guitars, the, the instrumentation side of it. And yes, the guys' vocals are good, but they're not lame. Nobody has the pain that Lane has, but they're pretty spot on. But it I was nice that. to see both of those bands together and had a really good time with some really good friends at the concert and just amazing to see. What can I say? I, I, <laughs> I don't know. know. I felt that way when I saw Allison Chains open for Velvet Revolver. I was like, well, Will Duvall is not Lane, but he's doing a great job paying tribute to Lane's songs, even though Jerry Cantrell was the primary songwriter. But no, I think I, I love 
And I love the stuff that they put out. Black Gives Way to Blue is an awesome album. I love the fact that Jerry Cantrell is still putting out material under the Alice in Chains banner. He's still got Mike Inez and Sean Kinney in the band. So I don't feel like Will takes away from it. I'm, I'm happy with his contributions to it. Yes, I do miss Lane. I got respect for Will Duvall. So he just, he just good with that. I, I want to ask you a question, though. I remember a while ago, because we were talking about Ray Loser, and I, I think I mentioned to you that him and John Five had played with David Lee Roth for an album. And I know you're not a David Lee Roth fan, but I sent you the MP3 for uh, Slam Dunk. What did you think of the musicianship that they had on that song? The musicianship, well, I think that John Five touches. He's an amazing guitar player. It's like, if I had to pick one of like the most amazing guitar players of this time period, to me, it's like you, you look at the technical side and the, the sound side of him. He doesn't even use tons of effects, but he still makes it sound like all sorts of craziness. John Five is just, yeah, he doesn't even deserve a last name. He deserves a number or something because <laughs> he's just an impeccable guitar player. I want to see John Five live. I've never seen John Five play. I almost got the chance to see him with Rob Zombie and Marilyn Manson. And you, I remember you were texting me like, oh, I'm not into Manson. I'm, like, I'm not really even going for Manson. I want to see John Five and Rob Zombie. I saw Rob Zombie with uh, John Five around Christmas time, 2009, at the Hammerstein. And John was just an amazing performer and uh, guitar player. So I'd recommend anybody to go see him in concert, whether with Rob Zombie or with his solo group. I just had to go to the concert when I had a freak monsoon that shut the whole entire show down. <laughs> uh, that sucked. I know. All right, Bobby, next. We have Tattoo the Earth back in 2000? Yep, 2000 at Giant Stadium. I mean, that was the uh, metal gasm of bands. And the ones I remember seeing, Seven Dust, Sepultura, Slayer, Slipknot, Metallica playing a two-hour set to close it. Getting lost in the parking lot afterwards for an hour trying to... Trying to find my way back to the car. Finding Jersey. my way back to the car. Drinking with cops in the parking lot after the show. <laughs> All of that plays into the part of this making the list. <laughs> I almost died during that concert. Twice. <laughs> now, was that before or after I ran into you? <laughs> so. And then later they, I got lost and couldn't find the car. <laughs> they had like a little concert outside before in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. And I got such a, I don't know, I got a heat stroke. I like literally passed out by the time it was time to go into Tattoo the Earth. I passed out and like woke up a half hour later or something. It was this bottle of water somebody left for me, but I guess they knew I must have been passed out from heat stroke because there was no bottle of water when I passed out there. Yeah. <laughs> I remember fighting to go up as close as possible, not to get in the mosh pit at that time because it was spraying hoses. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, at the little stage? Uh, yeah, I was outside the little stage the whole show, so I burnt out from that. And then I got, when the real show came on, like, I literally passed out. I missed, like, I think the first act on the real show when it got into the big stage. And then I started spraying holes as I fought to get near the holes. I was like, fuck it, just spray me with water. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Oh, I remember them spraying the hoses. That was certainly uh, followed by, that was the, I mean, crowd surfing all the way to the front of that show. I remember literally pushing everyone out of the way like to no end to get to water. 
So it's sad that that won't make my top ten list that show that concert. Not because it's like it was a great show, but I mean half of it I feel like I was delirious for. <laughs> and then I almost died going home because we were in the back of the car, Janine was driving us, and literally an eighteen wheeler rolled on top of us. I literally he like just crunched down, I'm asleep in the back. Jay's asleep in the back and Brian was asleep in the back. And he was crunching sound, I opened up my eyes. There's the wheel of the truck right over the top of the back window. <laughs> and so Jesus. Brian starts screaming. I'm just like, what the fuck at the top of my lungs? Janine's like swerving the car away because the guy fell asleep at the wheel on the 18 wheeler. And Jay felt is still asleep during the whole entire time. I'm not surprised by that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I almost got crushed alive. I almost died from heat stroke. That, so two that... times I almost died at one concert. <laughs> and it wasn't for a Moscow. So that was a memorable show, in other words. It was memorable, but I can't really remember the music much. <laughs> Trust me, the music was awesome. By the way, it is true. Jay could have slept through an air raid siren. He, he did eventually wake up after we kept pushing him to wake up, and he just screamed at the top of his lungs like a little girl. <laughs> Which is understandable, but there's a giant freaking wheel above your head. That's about, and the window's breaking, by the way. It's slowly cracking like it's an action movie, like where they're pushing against it, like like uh, a monster's gonna come out. It's literally cracking. You see like the, the hairlines going across the back window. Like, so Janine swerves the car out of the way. If she didn't swerve the car out of the way, we would have basically got crushed and died. Janine would have been fine, but she's in the front seat, but we would have been fucked. <laughs> nah, if, it, if the tire had hit Janine, Janine would have uh, popped the tire. She would have been fine. Janine's <laughs> But uh, how'd you guys get back? Did you guys get back in the same car? So the guy actually drove away. We never got his license plate. He drove, he went, after you, I guess run. he woke up. He was, Janine swore this way, and the guy started swerving this way. So I guess he fell asleep at the wheels when I was speculating, because it's a truck driver. Mm-hmm. And then he like, you know, like you got that little gap where like basically cops go by on the side. Mm-hmm. So he just shot off into that and bullied everyone out of the way. So we ended up in uh, New Jersey Turnpike Police Station, and we had to wait for Janine's dad and Brian's dad or something to pick us up. If the car couldn't run, the car couldn't function. Uh, well, I'm happy to say Janine is alive and well today. Four beautiful kids, and she's um, she's awesome. And glad you're all right, kid. <laughs> yeah, I kind of wish I didn't have heat stroke though on the concert, I mean, though, but I really I mean, couldn't appreciate it too much. Of course, I'm glad you're all right too, Matt. I mean, you, Brian, and uh, Jay. That was oh my god. And, and Brian is married to Janine's cousin still to this day. They have two kids. The crazy thing is, like, I left for Greece that day, so I was on a flight by the time I think Seven Dust had already hit, and Matt and Janine and. Brian and Jay were nice enough to call me and wish me a safe flight before I left. So thank God you guys are okay, because otherwise that would have been the last time I would have spoken to all four of you. Holy fuck. Yeah, I've had a lot of near-death experiences. Lou saved my life, too. Why not? Let's put that on there. Good job, Lou. You saved my life. <laughs> what are, you, are you talking about the death metal concert at uh, Voodoo Lounge? The Voodoo Lounge. Uh, we'll talk about that story on another episode, but, <laughs> you know, we'll talk about 10 worst concert experiences. So we'll add Tattoo the Earth to that for uh, <laughs> future reference. So you mentioned Rammstein earlier before. So Rammstein is my next choice. This is my ticket stub from the Jones Beach show. The only thing would have that would have made that concert better was if Matt was there. 
There's certain toxic influences in our lives that are no longer there. All right, you're next. So next I'm going to say is Slayer with Lamb of God. I guess you say Farewell Tour. Now, Beach. Yep, I'll put that on there. I've seen Slayer before. And maybe it's just I haven't gone to a concert in so long. Maybe it's because it was like the last time I'm going to see them. Maybe it's just the fact that they're old as shit and they can play like amazing like they never age. The concert was great. Yeah. Thank God Janine was with me. <laughs> You're right, that show was great. So, I have to put that there. I also always want to see Lamb of God. I wish I saw him in the prime, but it was still nice to see him anyway. I had the chance to see Lamb of God. Actually, I had tickets to their concert. It was them, um, Killswitch Engage, Unearth, Every Time I Die, and Nora at uh, Club Chrome in South Amboy, New Jersey. And we had tickets, and we saw the first four bands, but then, like, one of the guys that I went with wanted to leave before Lamb of God took stage. I'm just like, I don't want to leave him here to see Lamb of God, too. They're like, well, we want to get out of here before the uh, traffic gets bad. I'm like, they haven't even taken stage yet. So here I was at a Lamb of God concert, and then I didn't get to see Lamb of God. So to that guy that I went with, I'd just like to say, fuck you, asshole. Thanks for nothing. <laughs> but I did get to see Lamb of God twice. Ozfest 2004 and Gigantor with Megadeth 2006. They're amazing in concert. Randy's voice is, seems like sounds like it dried out a little bit, but you sing his style, of course it's going to go that way. All right, Bob, you're next. Okay, I'm going to stay on the Slayer tone. Only this show is fucking amazing. The Big Four at Yankee Stadium: Anthrax, Megadeth, Slayer. Metallica. And this is why I know Slayer's on another level when my friend, I want my best friend who is not a metalhead at all, doesn't listen to metal, sat there for Slayer and came back to me and was like, Jesus Christ, they put on one of the best live shows I've ever seen. The stage present was just ridiculous. Tom just up there playing, carry up there going nuts. Oh, forget it. That was easily one of the, the best performances I've ever seen. Two questions. First question, was that like the last New York concert with the original lineup of Tom, Carrie, Jeff, and Dave? I think they played at least once more after that. Okay. And of the four bands, which, I think I know which one your favorite is, So, but I'm still going to ask anyways, which one was your favorite and which one was the, the, the best performance of the four? That you saw. And oh, I have a feeling Slayer. it's going to be Slayer, both. I figured. Okay. And you know what? Who surprised me? Anthrax put on such an amazing show. When I got there, the place was half empty, two thirds empty, and they still were amazing. Which is Megadeth. a New York band. <laughs> Megadeth was okay at best. Did not like Megadeth. And by the time Metallica came on, they were absolutely amazing, but I was just so tired at that point. Especially because I was in the pit for Slayer. Mm. Came out bleeding. It was fun. Oh. The only time I was ever in a Slayer pit. So that was that was another bucket list. <laughs> you say I've been in a Slayer pit. I tattooed the earth, but I don't really remember much. <laughs> <laughs> I finally recovered by the time Slayer came on. I do remember that. I went in for Angel of Death. So as soon as that book <laughs> came on, I'm like, fuck this. Threw my friend away and went right to the pit. <laughs> well, if you're going to go in for a Slayer song, might as well be that one. Yes. Oh, no. 
It wasn't. It was God Hates Us All. I apologize. That's my second choice. <laughs> this band is one of my favorite bands of all time. They were the one of the first power trios that I fell in love with. Um, of course, the first song that I remember from them was a big radio hit that they had in 83, 84. The first album of theirs that I listened to was their second album called Regatta de Blank. Still one of my favorite albums to this day. And I got to see them for their reunion tour in 2007. Now, I'd given my wife the option. I said, we could either see this band or Genesis. Them and Van Halen did reunion tours that year. I didn't think she was as big a fan of Van, of these two, of Van Halen as the other two bands. So I gave her the option. She said, well, let's see this band because chances are they'll probably break up first. Ended up not happening because they extended the tour to the next year. <laughs> and it was one of the most amazing shows I'd ever seen. And that band is the police at Madison Square Garden in summer of 2007. Say what you want about Sting, but the police, I think, are one of the greatest groups of all time. And having the chance to have seen them in concert wouldn't trade it for anything. Not your next. Yeah, the next we'll one has got to be Tool at Madison Square Garden. Was that October 2001? Yeah, I guess. I don't know these timelines, man. We <laughs> were in college, man. <laughs> yes, we were in college. 2001. Was fantastic. It was. I was annoyed that I couldn't. Me, Jay, Jessica. Jessica got tickets. We sat outside line to wait to get the Roseland Ballroom tickets. And they were like sold out instantly. She went in. She was the first one in. Me and Jay were right behind her. And she got tickets and nobody else did. I'm like, what the hell do you mean it's sold out? There's, there's three of us here. <laughs> we're ahead of everybody. How the hell is it instantly sold out? And then they played Madison Square Garden. And they put on an amazing show. I think it's Phantom, just Phantomos was the event, right? Yes. Yeah, I was at that. It's show like an there. event when you see Tool. It's just there is no band that plays shows better live. Sure, Rage Against the Machine to me, I will say, is the best live show when it comes to being able to get amped up and crowd crowd presence. It's it's a good show for an adrenaline rush, but Tool is a work of damn art when you see them live. It's an experience. So, they're number two. Yeah, they're not number crazy. one, though. By the way, you mentioned Jessica. Big shout-out to our friend Jessica Spinelli. She has her own network that you can download on your Roku stick called uh, The Music Network. Please go support her. She is out there supporting independent artists and independent music. So, give Jessica some love. We love you, Jess. All right, Bobby, next. So, this one, again, has a little more about just the whole meaning of the show. I'm going with about a little, little less than three years ago, Foo Fighters played at uh, Jones Beach. Mm-hmm. And it was probably the smallest venue I'd ever seen them because I'd seen them a bunch of times. And it was more special because, one, the tailgate. If I kid you not, we had about 20, 25 people at this tailgate. We had grills set up, like two or three coolers just filled with beer. It was a shit show. You know, I went with a whole bunch of my friends from high school. And two, the bigger reason why, because I wanted, because Sam had never seen them and they were her favorite band and not one of her friends likes them. <laughs> and I had known that since I'd met her, I had gotten the ticket bef- like maybe a week before I met her. And the concert was six, seven months away. So for six, seven months, I had to sit there and f- try to find a general mission ticket to go to bring her to the show. So 
and the price was more than double fit resale value. The day, three days before the concert, a friend of ours I was going canceled. I immediately took that ticket. <laughs> That's a stroke of good luck. So, and I'm, I'm you sure know, he had absolute amazing time. It was right. We stood right in front of the stage, right next to Dave Grohl, basically. You could grab him from where we were. So, and besides, they they're one of the best live bands I've ever seen too. So, so let's talk about Foo Fighters. That same concert you went to with Sam, somebody else wanted me to get him tickets. I was like, hell no. <laughs> That's how much they cost. It was stupid expensive. Yeah. Um. Well, the face value of the general mission was 150. The resale was going for well over 300. Yeah. They never dropped. They maybe dropped to like 250, like a couple days before the show. Okay, I know Groupon. Sometimes you could buy like four tickets for like 100 bucks, like nosebleeds. They didn't even offer them. No, those were expensive too. The Groupon tickets are expensive? To me, there's no real point in paying for really up-close seats unless there's a mosh pit. It's like, that's just me for shows. Unless I'm going to have, like, front-front, but they're so expensive, I never really would pay for front-front seats anyway. So for me, it's like there's no point in getting tickets. So I was looking at Nosebleed, and I'm like, I'm not paying $150, $180 for Nosebleed. Get the hell out of here. Mm Mm-hmm. They're ridiculous. We got them, like, we went to the pre-sale and got them. That was the online. It was the only way, like, me and a couple of friends, all of us at the same time just hit. Got We bought the max we could get, and they were all GA. So, hence why I had to go and get another one extra GA. <laughs> I do love the Foo Fighters, though. And, you know, another band that only gets better with time. So, and, and Dave Grohl is just a nut when it comes to his love for music. I mean... Did you see the Hanukkah sessions? No. He did eight days of uh, songs with their producer in his apartment, a house, just like a room. And they're playing Jewish musicians' uh, songs, like one a night. They did for eight nights in a row. They released them, one of which they did uh, Sabotage by the Beastie Boys. I got to check that out then. Did you see him battling the little girl from like England? They do like drum battles together. It's kind of cute. I heard about that. I didn't see it, but I did hear about that. I did it's really it. adorable. I saw a drum battle between Dave Grohl and the drummer of this band, Animal. And <laughs> they both were, were tired by the end of it. They looked at wow. each other and said, you win. <laughs> <laughs> to me, he is like the god of rock music of my generation. Yeah, and <laughs> he's, he's like one of those guys where like there's just no pretension about him. I mean, I look at it this way. If Lemmy from Motorhead thinks you're a cool guy, you must be a cool guy. So, you know, yeah. he won the Lemmy points. So, but, check yeah. out his. Oh. Have you ever checked out his Probot album, though? That's a great album. I've heard Probot, yes. Yes, I love it. All right, so my number two concert, Ozfest 2004, was uh, Black Sabbath with Ozzy. And this was right after Ozzy had his ATV accident. The second stage had Every Time I Die, Unearth, Bleeding Through, Atreyu, and God Forbid, and a couple of other bands in the rotating slot of the second stage. The headliners of the second stage were Lacuna Coil and Hatebreed, Lamb of God, and Slipknot. The main stage was Black Label Society, Superjoy Ritual, Demo Vorgear, Slayer, 
and Judas Priest reunited with Rob Halford and Black Sabbath with Ozzy. I took my wife to go see Jason Mraz at uh, the Beacon Theater. And I'm not really a Jason Mraz fan, but I went with her because she likes him and I wanted to go with her. So she said, I'll go see a concert you want to go see next. And I said, well, I really want to see Ozfest at Jones Beach. She said, okay, I'll go with you. Never saw a girl from Hicksville more scared than when she saw the wall of death during a <laughs> But let me tell you, though, she stuck it out. And she said there were three favorite bands that night, aside from Black Sabbath, because they just they were just amazing that night. Um, she said that Lacuna Coil were great. She thought Slayer was great. And during Judas Priest, it, w- it was nuts how this worked out. During Judas Priest's set, it was thunderstorming and raining. They opened up with the song Electric Eye. And I tell you, the thunder and lightning struck at the crucial points of the song. And she asked me, she's like, is this part of the show or did they time this out? I said, I don't think so. She said, this is amazing. <laughs> so we had a blast with Priest. Yeah, Ozfest 2004. That was the best Ozfest I've ever seen. Before or after. Never got to see Ozfest. Always wanted to. Yeah, I've never been to Ozfest. I wouldn't go to Ozfest because I didn't want to sit through Crazy Town to see Black Sabbath. What? Is that the Come My Lady? Oh, it's all, uh, yeah. Cream of Blood Fly? Yes, that's the one. Oh, that is it? Oh, beautiful, man. <laughs> that's the greatest song ever. <laughs> Yeah, they completely lifted that from the chili peppers. Okay, so next is our honorable mentions. So these are the bands that didn't make our top ten, but they're worth mentioning. So, Matt, who would you say? Tattoo the Earth for me, only because I was, like, half delirious, and I think it was probably an amazing show, and Bob already put it on the list. <laughs> All right, Bob? Okay, I got a couple. I'll do them very quick. Roger Waters and MSG, because... Who the fuck? It's Roger Waters, you know? Mm-hmm. Pink Floyd, one of the greatest bands ever. Mm-hmm. See, that was amazing. Uh, I put on my honorable mention U2 because they were the first show I ever saw when I was 16 years old. Giant Stadium, an amazing the Pop Mart tour, a great show. Third would be Fu Manchu because they played like three and a half, almost four hours straight. Fucking great show. I don't know Which, if you're a big fan of Fu Manchu, but... No, I love Fu Manchu. Where did you see them? That night, I don't remember. Might have been... Oh, God. It's a place... It's a small, small venue, like a couple hundred people. There's, like, a main floor downstairs, and upstairs, there's, like, a couple tables you could sit at randomly. Manhattan or Long Island? Manhattan. Manhattan. Okay. Um, small little venue, but absolutely amazing show. They're always... I've seen them twice. They're unbelievable. And also, I'm going to include Foo Fighters again because I saw Dave Grohl play with a broken leg at City Field. He came out in a big throne, leg up, playing. I couldn't fucking believe how good he was. At one point, I think he did stand up and actually uh, play the guitar. (laughs) All right. My choice for honorable mention um, has to be Clutch. I saw, I've seen Clutch four times total, uh, twice at Irving Plaza. First time with, with uh, Corrosion of Conformity. Second time with Candiria. 
third time I saw them was at the Crazy Donkey. That was in 2007. And it was an afternoon show. And the last time I saw them was at the Paramount in Huntington, opening act. There were two of them, but the one I remember was American Sharks. They were pretty good. So the concert that I'm going to pick was the Crazy Donkey one because that place only fits 500 people. It was still daylight out, and Clutch just played a ripping set. I was at the front of the stage. Yes, I was getting my head kicked in from the crowd surfers, and I didn't care. It was it was amazing. Clutch is one of my favorite bands. Love them. Um, other bands, I'm going to say, I'll, I'll mention two more. One of them is Coed and Cambria. I saw them at the Hammerstein with Avenged Sevenfold. I like Avenged. Coheed killed that night. And the other band, I saw them at an abandoned pool in Brooklyn, McCarran Pool Park, uh, Government Mule. Uh, Matt, you might be familiar with who Government Mule is. It's uh, Warren Haynes of the Allman Brothers or formerly of the Allman Brothers. It's his band. They did a three-hour concert that night. And my God. Like, you want to talk about a guy that just lives, breathes, eats, shits guitars. I mean, Government Mule did the best cover of a Black Sabbath song that I ever heard. They covered War Pigs. So that's how much. And so if if you're covering my favorite band, the best out of everyone that's ever touched them, there's something special about your band. So, yeah, Government Mule. So, yeah, those are my honorable mentions. All right, Matt, so your favorite concert experience. Go ahead. It's one I neither of you guys went to Woodstock '99. Not then tops it. Uh, no. I could sit there and tell stories all day about that. <laughs> Technically, I guess it's shooting. It's just three days of Portland concerts. <laughs> who were the, the days of the fire? <laughs> who, who were the best bands you saw on that bill? Metallica was the best band by far. Uh, just like you were talking about how Aaron and the lightning coming overhead and she thought it was an effect the same exact thing happened when Metallica took stage it, the lightning was going off while it was um, doing for whom the bell tolls in the very beginning as the bell would go the freaking lightning bolts were literally flying over your head you just think it's about the downpour but you hear the lightning bolts you see a giant literally a bolt of lightning going across the sky it's just like it's like they couldn't pay for these effects. <laughs> and then, like, it was really little like, lightning right when they were still playing one. It's just like, on top of that, I was literally four people behind the stage. I got all the way up front because everyone kept getting tired after the other shows. But I was a smart one. I didn't actually go in the pit during this whole thing. I had a giant-ass bottle of water so I can keep keep getting ahead little by little. It was like, I believe it was Kid Rock. It was Limp Bizkit. I know, I, I forget if it was Kid Rock before Limp Bizkit or whatever, but I was there before Limp Bizkit. I was there when break stuff happened. And I, as the pitch was going on, I just used that to slip in and get closer and closer. And then Raging the Machine played, and then you had Metallica, it's just, and you had Korn. It's just like a phenomenal night. Yeah, Metallica was just legendary that night. Out of all the bands I've seen live, out of all the performances, single-handed best performance was Metallica at Woodstock. Did you stay long enough for the third night to see any of the bands that day? Like, did you see the Chili Peppers at all? I saw the Chili Peppers. I saw Flea's dick. <laughs> he flashed everybody. Uh, all right. I think it was the third night that Godsmack went on. You probably noticed stuff more than me. I don't remember what night everyone was on. I thought Godsmack and Seven Dust were the first night, not the third night. No, they definitely weren't the first night. They were maybe the second or the third. I'm not sure. 
we are, Matt actually talked about this show, well, this tour. I also went to the tour about a week earlier and had seen them in Wilkes Bar, Pennsylvania for Tool in 2001. And that tour and that show is the best show I've ever seen. You want every word on our show. You want, we also want to say acid. <laughs> no, not that one. I'm talking about the one that you went to at the Garden. I don't even remember how many you <laughs> That was a different tool show we saw in Syracuse. No, I went Syracuse. to Wilkes Pennsylvania. Yeah. Before that. And then saw him a week later at the Garden. Uh, they played two nights at the Garden. I remember getting tickets as soon as I could for the second show. Once I saw the show, it was absolutely amazing. I mean, they, they just put on the best live show I've ever seen. Cool. I think it was Paul. Like, oh, we're going to go to Syracuse to see Tool. You coming? I'm like, okay. Yeah, me, you, him, and Ray. And some of his other friends also went. <laughs> I'm just thinking to myself, as, we, as I'm going, I'm like, as we're driving, I'm like, why the fuck are we driving all the way over to see Tool? Well, fuck it, it's Tool. We have to. <laughs> have, you guys, why not? have you guys seen any of the Tool side projects in concert? Like Perfect Circle or Pussy Friday? I've seen a Perfect Circle. They almost made my top ten. Almost. Me too. But I guess can be an honorable mention. Yeah, throw them in my honorable mention every time. And I've also seen Pussifer too. Mm. And they were they were all right. Pussifer was all right, but Perfect Circle's amazing. I'm annoyed yeah, I didn't get them on the last album. All right, I'll throw. I only one. seen Perfect Circle one time, and that was when the first album got released. Is that in Hammerstein with uh, Snake River Conspiracy? I'm gonna guess so, but I don't really remember. Who yeah, was right. I was at that. I was at that concert too. So you know what? I'm gonna throw that. I don't remember you there. I went with our friends John uh, Gervais and. Um, oh yeah, I remember me. You got to Penn Station. Yeah, and well, you I, didn't see me there at Hammerstein, right? It was at Hammerstein, and I remember was our it? friend Paul. You you went with Paul, and Paul came yeah. up to me and he said, "Yeah, I went up to that DJ from K Rock Booker, and I told him you're an asshole." No, his <laughs> friend did. Oh, his friend? Oh, I thought that was Paul. Like, yeah, his friend got into a fight with him. Because uh, that sounds like something Paul would have said. Yeah, no, it wasn't him. It was his friend who uh, went up to him and told him, like, he sucked or something. So, like, uh, Kane yelled back at him. So later on, Kane saw him again. He was like, oh, listen, I'm sorry. You know, I shouldn't be like that with my fans. A <laughs> friend just turns to him and goes, dude, I said you suck. I don't like you. I'm not your fan. Go away from me. Okay, oh, Rock. Yes, that was that show. Mm-hmm. But I'm gonna I'm gonna throw in that Perfect Circle tour and that Tool tour from October on my honorable mentions too because they were amazing concerts, probably some of the best. All right, so my um, number one is my first concert, and here's the ticket stuff for it: Reunited, Black Sabbath, Ozzy with Tony Iommi, Geezer Butler, and Bill Ward. Opening act was. Uh, Deftones direct support was Pantera, and I yes, was gonna throw that in my honorable mention too, actually, because Deftones that was Pantera. No, that concert. Okay, because I went to a Nassau Coliseum, mm-hmm. and at the time I just wasn't totally into metal. Like I wasn't fully into the metal. I was just slowly getting into. It, so I feel like I couldn't appreciate Black Sabbath for what it was, or any of those bands at that time. So I feel like it would have been an amazing concert had I been more open to knowing what the hell. I don't even know what Pantel was when I went to that concert. 
I so. mean, this was at the time where Phil was definitely suffering from his back pain and he wasn't doing, you know, he was self-medicating. Um, and I was kind of aware of it just by watching him, but seeing Dimebag Daryl in concert was just, you know, it's like, to me, Dimebag Daryl was the continuation of the groundwork that guys like Jimi Hendrix and, and Randy Rhodes and Eddie Van Halen laid. So, you know, to see somebody from that school, especially in 1999, where all the guitar players just wanted to play new metal and none of them were doing guitar solos, Dimebag was doing that. And he was just on a, on a whole different level you know, of what a lot of the guitar players are doing. And to see him and his band on the same stage as Black Sabbath with my ultimate guitar hero, Tony Iommi, and seeing the Deftones for the first time, hating them before they started, loving them by the time they were done. I mean, it was a life-changing experience for me. So that's my number one. All right, cool. So we're about to wrap up this episode. That was our top 10 favorite concert experiences. So I'm going to ask you guys one final question. Once this pandemic is over and the concert industry is open again, who's the first band that you guys would like to see in concert? Uh, Matt, you first. Bob Zombie with John Five. Bob? Tool. Makes sense. Um, <laughs> There's no point I don't want to go see them. Or Perfect Circle, I'll stay with them. If they toured instead, I'd be more than happy of that. I get it. For me, I would have to say, and this is a band, uh, I'll choose a band that I, I've never seen yet, but I would love to, would probably be the band Periphery. I think I'd want to see them. Um, only because I'd like to see a band that I haven't seen yet that I'm a fan of. So that, that's my choice. All right. So we're closing this as we are one day away from 2021. So anyone have any New Year's resolutions they don't plan on keeping? <laughs> no, I don't believe in them. I have the resolution to play my guitar on drop day. <laughs> uh, I have one question. Do you remember 20 years ago <laughs> what we were doing on New Year's Eve? I do. I was stood up. I was so, hoping that all the power would go out so I could steal guitars. <laughs> we, me and Matt ran down the block to make sure to see if all the lights were on. <laughs> if there's somehow power had run, we were going to start looting. I was going to go to the nearest Sam Asher Guitar Center and get a bunch of guitars. Unfortunately, that did not work. I thought Guitar Center was in bankruptcy, yet they're still in business. Go fig. I mean, if they're going to go bankrupt, can I sell me some 90% off guitars? I'll buy them. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Yes. I, I need more seven strings. So are you... a officially a seven string guitar player anything less is uncivilized to you oh that is a, that's right that's a six string okay well let me ask you this though so like so your sin your, your girlfriend cindy your cindy that sounds so british um bought you your seven string jackson dinky for christmas and uh like how do you like it i mean compared to a six string do, is that your go-to now? I mean, I know you still love your Ibanez as well. I, I can't really say I played it enough to really care, but I will say, like, when it comes to standard tuning, it just felt natural to be a 7-string and a 6-string. But my Ibanez is drop D. I'm never taking it out of drop D anymore. I've kind of come to the conclusion I'm playing a drop D for the rest of my damn life. <laughs> and screw standard tuning. 
I don't know what I'm going to do my seven string to, to be quite honest. Double drop D. <laughs> I think you're. I think you're finding it. Eventually, I'm thinking to, about it. Eventually, you need to tune your seven string to cabbage. C a b b a g e. I sent you a video of a guy that actually did that on a seven string. That was insane. I know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm. I I'm not, cannot I'm play not. standard. I'm not one to talk. I have four four guitars all in different tunes. So. Mm. I will play everything in drop D. Drop D whole step, drop D half step. Just it's always gonna be dropped. Like I just dropped this. This is a whole step down and I dropped it to a, a C. It just feels good now. Now I can play. When I was playing with Bob, it was like all like weird, like stiff. Now I'm just like playing around with it all day and it's, it's normal. That, that one's a drop I don't know C what you guys are talking about, but all right, cool man. <laughs> this, this one's a drop C too. Let's jam. All right, you guys go jam. I gotta run. All right, cool. Well, anyways, we're about to wrap up this episode. I'd like to thank my roundtable, my two dearest friends, Bob Mango and Matt Michelow, for joining. Please go and subscribe to Matt's pages, Kokomoka Media on YouTube. Also, check him out at AlphaFlex Personal Training. AlphaFlexFitness.com. And also check out his girlfriend, Cindy Jiram's podcast, The Good News Podcast. Please uh, subscribe to that so you can download every new episode. Is that all your plugs, Matt? Anything else you want to mention? Oh, yeah. If you're looking to buy, sell, or rent property, I got you covered. I'm a licensed real estate agent. That's true. Check them out. Bob, anything you'd like to plug? Not yet. Got a couple things coming soon, but not yet. All right. That's fine. When you're ready, definitely please announce it. And remember, my platform is your platform. Really happy to have both these gentlemen on my show, guys. Thank you for joining me. Just want to say, please, if you guys like what you hear, check out Music is Life on all available platforms where you can download and subscribe to podcasts. Don't forget the YouTube page, Music is Life podcast on YouTube. Subscribe, like, comment. I'm interested in what you guys have to say. Also, hit me up at musicislifepodcast at gmail.com. Want to give a big shout out to Ratsai Review Network, which is a network that Music is Life is broadcasted on. A uh, big shout out to Wayne and the Ratsaw Review crew, uh, Greg and Nate, also Ralph Vieira over at Vieira Vault and his YouTube page, Almost Human, and also to Eric and James over at Beyond Bushido on Ratsaw Review. And also, don't forget to check out some of the other great podcasts on the Haman Media Group. And that's it. Want to wish everybody a very, very happy and safe 2021. And Hopefully, we'll see you guys at the concerts. We'll get out of this pandemic sooner than later. And, you know, just stay safe up until then. So, Matt, Bob, thanks. And I got my guitar. <laughs> That's why you're going to And take care, everybody. Remember, music is life. All art is valid. Looking for some new podcasts to listen to? Well, Rat Sound Review Network has plenty of shows to choose from like Rat Sound Review, where they discuss the latest rock and metal news, as well as interviews and albums. Album vs. Album, the King Diamond Podcast, with Wayne Noon, Greg Noggle, and sometimes this guy. Smack him a gob! Ralph Vieira is also on our network with the Vieira Vault. There's also Old Man Metal's Musings, where he discusses heavy metal and beer. Music is Life with Lou Mavs. The Right Opinion for Those Who Love Politics, a South Park podcast called Suck My Balls. 
The Infinite Fringe. I watch a long wrestling show called Beyond Bushido. Extradivarius guitarist, the Timo Tolki podcast. And the great Harry Barnett with I Don't Even Like Podcast and the Laugh Cast. So check out RatsoundReview.com or search Review on YouTube, Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. I don't know. Uh, for me, Pantera was all about time. I didn't really... Hold on, my voice cracked when I said that. Let me say that again. Oh, you're <laughs> choking up. You're just crying. Choke up!